Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or on New Year's Eve or Hogmanay in Scotland if you are listening on the main feed. My name is Kenny McIntosh, hope you had a great Christmas and I'm here with Finlay Martin. Finn, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, neither one of us is in Scotland. Neither, we're both in England. We're both repping the team. (laughs) Um, It was funny, the, the other day we were driving back from Durham for Christmas on yeah. on Wednesday and we were coming back for a day and then we were flying to London for a kind of little couple of days away which which we're on now and as we were kind of driving no so as we were driving down to Durham on Christmas Eve it was absolutely pissing it down as we got through Scotland and then Steve Gunn my lovely other half turned around to me and he said wouldn't it be really funny if as soon as we crossed the border into England it's majestic sunshine and it fucking was <laughs> The sunny uplands. Very irritating. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is why the Scottish, you know, I would, I'm not going to use the word dislike, but there's a little bit of resentment there. This is why the Scottish resent the English, because we have sunny weather more often than Scottish people do. Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons, but that, that, that's one of them. Do you know what? I, 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 I've seen Braveheart, Kenny. I've yeah. seen it. Well, actually, I haven't seen it all. I've seen bits of it. I had to turn it off because. Even though I know nothing really about history, I know that that film has got absolutely no connection with history. <laughs> Other than William Wallace was a real person. I believe that's the only historical, historically accurate part of that film. 
that's a bit that's a bit it. but i will say I, I feel like the majority of scottish people because you know there is this weird kind of you know hardcore scottish people who don't like english people whatever but I, it tends to be more southern english than northern because i feel like the you know the north of england and scotland we all kind of get on you know quite well we're, we're all yeah yeah i i, I think scotland's great yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I don't dislike anyone, Kenny. Well, that's not true. There are people, but I don't like. I don't dislike nations. I think Scotland's great. Yeah, I don't like. I yeah, I'm I'm with you. But anyway, so but we're here, um, to just basically do a kind of little summary podcast of the last kind of stuff that's been on the last few days uh, over the Christmas period, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I do think we should kick off by sort of wishing our our, our best thoughts to Kenny Omega by you know because he obviously got taken out basically by diverticulitis and he was uh, in, a pre- in pretty rough shape and if he'd not gone to the hospital when he did, it could have been very bad for him so, you know, obviously we, we wish him well and hope that he Yeah, will- absolutely, I mean none of us, most of us in fact, possibly none of us even knew what this was until Brock Brock Lesnar contracted it and he had a terrible time with it for I think the best part of about two years, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe longer. I mean, it basically ended his UFC career. And, um, you know, I remember doing that interview with Paul Heyman in 2010, and he explained how serious this condition was. And um, I, you know, I was not really familiar with, I don't really know what the disease was at all, condition was at all. And it's a very, very, really serious condition, isn't it, Kenny? It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that if you don't, if you don't catch it quickly, then it could, it, it could potentially be fatal. And the problem with it is it's very difficult to catch. So you can have it and not really know you have it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, lucky that he was able to, to obviously, you know, get the help in time and, uh, you know, he's on the road to recovery. But, um, yeah, but, I think well, something can be misdiagnosed and it can the symptoms could be lots of different things. Yeah, because he thought he had, I think he thought he had problems with like his hernia or something. Because he yeah. had before that in the past, so he could have attributed. Because you know, I mean, it's that thing where you know, if you have a certain pain that you've had, you you felt that sensation before, you maybe think it's the same thing. Um, yes, you know, so if you had COVID, if you had COVID before, COVID, depending on how you got, what iteration of it you had, or how badly it hit you, it can feel like a flu or a bad cold. It can have the yeah. same symptoms, so it's, it can be difficult to. To, to judge it but yeah we, we wish him the Absolutely. best and it's doubly and doubly difficult for wrestlers because they've always got aches and pains all over their bodies yeah constantly um but someone else who's in the news Finn, and and i didn't quite see this uh this this one coming i mean i, I guess i should have bill goldberg had some choice words about vince mcmahon that he said in the last couple of days he was on speaking to steve and captain evil on a podcast and he was asked about vince mcmahon here's what he said he said, "Stephen Captain Evil." I know. <laughs> I mean, you just got to think. Did 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 he? Anyway, I'm not. I'm not, not going to bury these people. I don't know. Um, here's what he said when he was asked about Vince. He said, "Vince is like Dana White. He's the big boss, and he makes everything happen." And all and in all honesty, he gave me the opportunity to put my wife and son in the front row and gave me the ability to perform in front of them. So I owe him everything until we went to Saudi Arabia and he asked me to put Roman Reigns over, and I had COVID. I remember calling him from my house and said, listen, here's the deal. I'll do it if you give me a retirement match. I did what he asked. As a performer, I was 56 years old. As a human being, you're conscientious about how you look in a bathing suit, especially two months prior to being in that bathing suit. You couldn't work out because you had COVID. 
I put myself in a horribly shitty situation to get what I wanted to get what I wanted to, but to satiate him and give him what he wanted. Problem is, he never held up his end of the bargain. Vince is a piece of shit as far as I'm concerned. So, hang on a minute, wasn't he just saying that you owed everything to him a moment ago? Until Saudi Arabia. Apparently Saudi okay. Arabia it changed. So, but the thing is, like, I, look, I, th- I, th- I do think that at one point, probably not now, I think there was big money in a Goldberg retirement match if they'd done it right. But, yeah, the guy can't really go in the ring anymore. No. To a level that, you know, he would need to. And he just can't go in the ring at all to any level. I mean, okay, that Bobby Lashley match was okay. But I mean, you look at all the other matches he's ha- he had in that latter part of his career, and they were really short, and he could it do one. Two and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, the Drew match was okay, put Drew McIntyre over, but it was a really short match. And clearly they had no confidence in him, WWE. And like, you know what? We don't want to see Goldberg. Sorry, Kenny, I've just totally hijacked what you were saying uh, with my answer. It's, who wants to see Goldberg wrestle again, apart from his wife and son? I don't know anyone who does. No, I, I, I don't think so. I think I think you're right. I think the, the time the time has passed, and him saying this now just makes him feel a bit like a bitter Betty. He does. He sounds like Ole Anderson here. It's just like you know what you came back Goldberg. You made a lot of money. You didn't really add a whole lot of value to anything. I mean, you basically destroyed The Fiend. You know, okay, WWE booked that match. Um, but, I mean, that was it was over for The Fiend pretty much, wasn't it, Kenny, after that match as a character? That was the big turning point, you know, after... Because the problem was he couldn't even get him up for the, the jackhammer properly. No. And that was... Because it would have been, been one thing if Goldberg had beat The Fiend and he was, you know, he was firing all cylinders and you kind of go, well, do you know what? Putting the belt on him makes sense because he's so hot and he's so, and is you know in a moment of being you know really over. But he wasn't. Yeah, we need to, we need to capitalize on this now. We need to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. And instead, of people are like, what's going on here? You know, why is this you know part timer who's in his fifties? Why is he beating this indestructible character who sells nothing? Yeah. I mean, okay, WWE booked it. You can't blame Goldberg for that. I'm pinning the blame for that on Vince McMahon, WWE. But still, he was part of that process. And, you know, it naturally leads to resentment. You know, when people who are people like Goldberg are pe- beating people like The Fiend at the time that he did. And But, I mean, I think it's a bit of an overreaction, really, from Goldberg. He doesn't come across as gracious at all. And... um <laughs> You know, I used to have a lot of time for Goldberg, and I've got I'm, uh, Kenny. I've got no time for him at all anymore. Absolutely none. And I think it's really, really kind of a kind of shameful for uh, for Goldberg to say that. It's like you know, these things happen in pro wrestling. He's been around pro, pro wrestling on enough for long enough now to know that things change, and promises are made, or you know, comments are made and then directions change. And that's what happens. And it's like, yeah, if there'd been a huge demand for a retirement match that people were clamoring for, then, yeah, I would have had some sympathy for Goldberg. But as I said, who wants to see Goldberg wrestle again, especially in a retirement match? I, I mean, I don't. And I don't know anyone do, who does. I mean, he went, he went on in that same interview. He was asked about Sting. And he said, 
Sting is the reason I broke into the business. Sting set a great example. He's about to retire. I tried to be part of his retirement match. So, I mean, even Tony Khan has went, you know, look, yeah, maybe maybe down the line there's there's something to be done with you, but, like, for Sting's retirement match, he's not letting Goldberg sort of shoehorn into it because really what what can... I mean, I know people have problems with Ric Flair. I don't disagree with the problems that people have about him. But at least Flair makes sense in the canon of Sting's career. Like, what sense would Goldberg make? None. I mean, they had very little interaction. They had the match at Halloween Havoc 99, which was a big flop, um, and ended up being nonsensical. I'm going to go into that. Um, that was, you know, Russo was running the show then. Started, when the wheels started coming off, it didn't take long, only a few weeks. And uh, in WCW... <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, you're right, Ric Flair, there's a connection there. They had a long, you know, going back to the first clash and had many, many matches. We just reviewed the first Nitro uh, from September 95. They had a match there. They wrestled on the very last Nitro. It was the last match of the last Nitro, Sting versus Flair. So there is a long-running connection there. There's very little linking Goldberg with Sting. And, like, I don't know who Sting's going to wrestle in his last match, but it absolutely should not be Goldberg. It should be... You know, hopefully, maybe Darby Allen. I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, Darby Allen's disappeared. Will he return from Everest, Kenny? He's vanished, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he's going to return and not not end up doing yeah. twenty twenty. I mean, I don't know whether it'll be Darby Allen or it won't be Darby Allen, but it should be an AEW regular, not a part timer coming in for a big payday like Goldberg, who's going to enter a substandard performance and just leave people. Wishing that he never bothered, and and that the company had never bothered hiring the guy. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. Well, listen. Something else I wanted to ask you about. Now, this will seem like I'm just setting this up for. It's like I'm setting you up to have a rant on AEW. That is not my intention with my question. <laughs> okay? Listen, I've been watching the Continental Classic, Kenny, and like you know, I'm ready to have a rant. Well, it's not. This one's not about the Continental Classic. But if you want to rant on that afterwards, feel free. But so I was. My question is about. Um, on this past Wednesday's Dynamite, the Devil's Masked Men, which is MJF's henchmen, they won the Ring of Honor tag team titles on the show in the main event against. It was supposed to be against MJF and Samoa Joe, and then Samoa Joe was, you know, quote unquote injured. So then MJF lost the titles. It turned out Joe had been in cahoots with the Devil, so Joe kind of turned on MJF. And one somebody on Twitter, backup Hangman is is is, is handle. Um, he had he had made a, a really good point, I thought, which was worth a discussion from us. Um, and he was talking about, you know, the, the, the premise of in wrestling. We do need to suspend our disbelief to an extent, right? That's yes, absolutely. We do, absolutely do. And that is, you know, like the cell, that's the bedrock of pro yeah. wrestling. We've got to be able to believe it while we're watching it to some extent. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, it's just yeah. absurd. But here's So here's what... Um, Backup Hangman had said about the segment. I want to get your take on: Do you think this is valid, or do does need to, do people need to give it a chance for the reveal? But here's what he said: He said they had the masked, presumably unsigned assailants standing on the apron, tagging in and out, and doing traditional heel ref distractions. Made Bryce Rensburg look so ridiculous, talking to a masked guy for a minute, while a third masked guy attacks MJF on the outside. These dudes are like terrorists that have crashed the program repeatedly and committed assault on paid talents, and the organisation of AEW, in story, has granted them broadcast time to have a sanctioned wrestling match for a set of their own titles. Does this border 
too absurd for people to buy into, do you think? Well, I mean, you know, just to backtrack on the December 20th Dynamite, um, Joe and MGF were in the ring. The mass men ran in. There was like the jobber mass men who MGF and Joe just disposed of very quickly. And then some of them pretended to be unconscious after they'd been thrown out of the ring. Then presumably like the, the A-team mass men came in, surrounded the ring. Lights went off, lights came back on. The devil appeared on the big screen, and then there was like, like caption on the screen. You know who can you trust? And like one of the what they said was, you know, um, we'd like to, ch- you know, we will you accept our challenge for next week? You know, to a ring of a ring of honor tag team championship match. And MGF's there, like, well, you know, Joe, I don't know what you're going to say. And then Joe says, we accept. So Joe and MGF did accept the challenge. So they did cover that in the storyline. Let's give AEW credit for that. Anyway, do you think overall, though, the, the devil storyline, is it is it working? Like, I mean, because I'm getting a lot of people saying that it's, they're, they're not digging it. They're just not that into the story. Do you think, is there a reveal that they can do at World's End that is going to make the, the, the audience happy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I keep reading people... Um, comparing it to the Black Scorpion saga and making jokes like the only way this can work is if Ric Flair is revealed to be the devil. Which I actually thought was a really funny joke. (laughs) That did amuse me. Maybe Ric Flair has pitched the idea. Maybe people close to MJ, maybe people close to Ric Flair are saying, wow, we need to get our team to spread this rumour and maybe it'll happen. Maybe Tony will be thinking, oh, look at all this, all this demand for Ric Flair to be the Black Scorpion, to be the devil, because yeah. he was the Black Scorpion. So we've got to make it happen again. Um, I think I just, I can't take it seriously. I don't know who the devil's going to be. I mean, I really don't care. It, if it's someone blockbuster, I thought it was going to be Swerve Strickland, because it seemed to me like Swerve, after the win over Hangman Page, Full Gear... And then the Continental Classic died, and he did, he got to the final, didn't he? But he didn't win Swerve Strickland. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, not the yeah. final, semi-final. semifinal. Yeah, yeah, he got that's right. So he did well in the in the continent. Yeah, and he did look, when when he lost the triple threat semifinal. He was not pinned, so he was kind of he's gotten out there of 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 the you know, not getting to the final of the tournament. Exactly. So I thought Swerve Strickland would be the one to win the whole thing and then go on to face MJF or whomever 
is the AEW World Champion after World's End. Um, and that and that may be because I mean Swerve Strickland instead is facing Keith Lee. You know, it's like, hold on a minute, didn't they split up like a year ago? And Keith Lee has done almost nothing in 2023, almost nothing of value anyway. Um, so maybe it will be Swerve Strickland. And if it is, then it won't be a total flop, but I still have a hard time understanding, you know, who are all these people? Who's paying them? I mean, to the point you're making, it's like, why are these people now the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions? Okay, Samoa Joe and MGF agreed to the match. So that's the reason. But we don't know who the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions are now, do we, Kenny? No. And I think the the, the issue is that when you get into this kind of level of, of discussion about it, it's like, with wrestling, you do need to kind of pretend that a lot of stuff isn't the case. You know, like, it's like when Vince McMahon was the owner on TV and he was firing people, you know, you didn't. You had to just not think about, well, the board of directors could just overturn that if they wanted to because he can't just go about firing people on television and people have contracts. But with this one, it's kind of like, if Tony Khan, the in, in story canon Tony Khan, who's the, who's the owner, why would he be allowing these thugs to basically be champions surely yeah to run roughshod over the company who are they why are they there or Um, even even if they covered covered it by having tony shiboni going look you know unfortunately in AEW match sanctions you know you can't be stripped of a title title for unless it's like a valid reason or something just cover something that basically says that tony khan's hands are tied on this one and that they get to stay the champs but without it it just kind of feels a bit i don't know I think if it was, I think if it was working really well, you wouldn't really question it. Because yeah. when things work well, you don't really question the absurdity of it. Whereas when things aren't working well, you do see these little inaccuracies and you sort of, I guess, question them more. Yeah. Now, for instance, if CM Punk were on his way about to AEW, which of course he isn't because he's in WWE. Now, if he were the one to be who was revealed to be the devil. Then you could say, well, you know what? All that silliness was worth it. Yeah. Because this guy who had that, you know, belt in the bag earlier in the year and, you know, was obviously returning for that rematch with MGF down the line. And then, of course, what happened happened in backstage Wembley Stadium and CM Punk was fired and now he's working for WWE. But if it was CM Punk and he were to be revealed to be the devil then you say, you know what, we're willing to tolerate all that nonsense because it's led us to this dream match or this big match that's going to be huge and we can't wait for the promos between MGF and CM Punk because they're both in very different places or would have been, well, MGF's obviously in a very different place in his career now to when he clashed with um, CM Punk in 2022, it would have been. Um, so that would have been big. And people said, you know what, who cares? You know, we can put up with that. If it, you know, it's a means to an end. If it's leading to this mega sort of pay-per-view match, who cares? But I, I, I don't know. I mean, if it's Swerve, I mean, how does Swerve explain all this? Because he's got his own team, hasn't it? Yeah, he's got team. his own team of people. The embassy. Yeah. And there's all these extras as well who are obviously not members of the embassy. Or maybe they could just appear with the embassy and then they could all just listen, lads, I'm paying you off. You know, you've outlived your usefulness to the embassy, Mogul, em- the Mogul Embassy, not the Mogul embassy, embassy, isn't it? Yeah. Mogul Embassy. 
Uh, you've outlived your usefulness, the Mughal Embassy. You know, here's your payoff. Goodbye. Thanks again. If I need you, I'll call you. Yeah. Um, and if, like, some of the people in, in the, um, you know, black outfits, like, if one of them was obviously Brian Cage, you could say, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But they haven't made it obvious who any of these people are. If one of them was Brian, if Brian Cage was there under a costume, you'd sort of know it was him. Yeah. Because he's so enormous. As long as they reveal it at World's End, then at least they can start, you know, going a bit further with it. Because yeah. they're just, it's just dragging itself. But you know what, look, Finn, I don't want to have the people not get what they want. You said you you maybe had a slight rant about the cruise, the, the Continental Classic. You've been watching it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> it's just been, I mean, I know it's ended now. It ended this week. And it's just been interminable. <laughs> I mean, just all these long matches between... People who don't even normally appear on Dynamite or Collision, like Jay Lethal. He was like a Rampage regular, and he was on all the time. And Mark Briscoe. I like Mark Briscoe, but he's like, how many matches? Did he think? Did he win, like, one match in the whole tournament? I think it was, was it one match? He won one match, yeah. Daniel Garcia. We talked about this when it was first announced. <laughs> Why was Daniel Garcia in the Continental Classic? The whole idea of this was it was going to be AEW's version of the G1, which features all the top stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling. As people know, G1 started in, what was it, 91, I think it was. Um, And this just featured a load of people who were, you know, just also rounds, were never going to win. And what has it actually achieved for the people who didn't reach the final? I have no idea. Swerve Strickland's wrestling Keith Lee, and he reached the semi-final, didn't he? The three-way with Moxley and Jay White. And like Jay White, I understand why he was booked in it, because it was supposed to be a distraction from his loss to MJF at full gear and the, you know, epic sort of um, feud that led to that match. And it was, that was, just didn't click, didn't connect at all. And it's like, yeah, well, you need something to distract us from Jay White's failure to defeat MJF. But he didn't win the Continental Classic either. And I, where does Jay White go next, Kenny? I don't see what it's created for any of the participants. And that's the whole idea of it. People are supposed to score these like upset wins, and then it's supposed to lead to these new feuds. And like Roosh, who, who wanted to see Roosh wrestle was it five televised matches, Kenny? I think it was it five or six. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a lot. But I mean, the thing is, I guess if you are someone who is purely into your in ring stuff and nothing else, then maybe the Continental Classic's been for you. But I think a lot of people, even if you are, if in ring is like your bag, you want some some storyline around it. Well, that's yeah. the reason that wrestling. I mean, if you look at the biggest things that have ever happened, they've been story based, and yeah, yeah there's some stuff within it. I mean, I, I do think that having. Moxley and Kingston as the finalists is 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 fine because they at least have a, a long history together. So you yeah. can play off that. I, I get that. I, I, I like that. But it's like Danielson. Danielson's in his last year. He's doing all these matches. And maybe maybe I'm just maybe it's not for me, but like I'm not gonna remember his match with Andrade in nine months. No. Um I'd much rather watch a really interesting storyline that he's in that culminates in a big match. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, that's what I would like more. Yeah, and and having wrestle fewer matches because of the injuries he suffered. We don't need to go over them again. And it's just like 
this guy can do, we know he can do everything. This guy can do comedy. I'm not suggesting he do comedy at this stage of his career. He probably doesn't want to, but we know he can do it. He can do basically anything and take advantage of his non-wrestling skills. You know, his promos, you know, his acting ability, because he can do lots of different things, Danielson. And instead he's in all these matches that are left no impression at all, because each one was essentially the same. Most of the matches were too long. And, you know, there was it was quite nice to see Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe. They had a match, I think it was on the December 20th Dynamite. I'm fairly sure it was. Yeah, it was. And Bres- Briscoe won with the Jay Driller. And afterwards, there was a handshake, but there was no point to the match because they'd both been mathematically eliminated at that point. Yeah. And, like, if you're going to have a tournament, you've got to have a long-term plan for most of the participants. Like, if you're going to book Daniel Garcia in it, Everyone, no one thought that he would win, but he should score some upsets and there should be a purpose to him being entered. Otherwise, it should. And this is getting back to my original point. This is supposed to be AEW's version of the G1. G1's got all the top stars in. As you said at the beginning, Kenny, lots of the top stars were not in this tournament. And it's like, well, they should have been. If you want this tournament to be prestigious, then you book the top talent in it. And if you're not going to book the top talent in it, you're going to book a lot of also runs in it then it's going to be seen as, you know, mediocre at times and okay, quite good at other times. Um, I just, and I feel it's like, you know, there's lots of people who just haven't been featured on TV since full gear. You know, it's like, well, you know, there's no DQ, everyone's banned from ringside. I understand that. So we have matches that lead to finishes. Um, But it means that like Jay White's left tenants in, you know, the gunk, you know, Billy Gunn's kids, Juice Robinson's. When was the last time we saw them? <laughs> I know. You know, and they were like, <laughs> they were at ringside in the main event of the last pay-per-view and they've just vanished into thin air. Maybe they're on Rampage. Possibly they are. I haven't seen Rampage for a while, but they're certainly not on the big shows. They're not on the main shows. And it just feels like they were at the, this point where, <laughs> like, what are the names? Austin and Colton. Austin, Austin and Colton. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they, I don't really, I mean, they were good shape, you know, the good looking guys. I, I mean, they need so much development in terms of characters, though. And I think they probably could be stars in another company. Um, but you just think, wow, these guys have had this big run with JY, which didn't really click with MGF, but they tried, they gave it the best shot, give AEW credit for that. They really put a lot of TV time into that feud. Didn't really work, but they tried. So, you know, not everything works in pro wrestling. And it's like these guys are all over TV and then they just vanish from TV. So that was another thing about the Continental Classic I didn't like. Lots of people have just not had a look in for weeks. Well, listen, um, obviously it's, 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 it's over now. You know, the last match will be at World's End and then they'll <laughs> move on to something else. But I've got two last things I want to ask you about before we go. We've only got about five minutes left. Uh, CM Punk's WWE return match at Madison Square Garden against Dominic uh, took place this past uh Tuesday, I think it was, uh, Boxing Day. And it's, yeah, 26. Yeah, Boxing Day. And you had a chance to have a look at some of it. How did you feel that he did? Um, You could tell that he hadn't been in the ring for a while. Um, I mean, it was a good little tune-up, warm-up match for him Um, in terms of, you know, the crowd reaction. Some of it was pantomime-esque, wasn't it, Kenny? You know, with the, you know, he's not he's behind you, no, but just working <laughs> the crowd. But that's a house show and that's what they do. Obviously, it's a different. 
he's, he, he's this is this. I mean, he's doing this match a couple of times to to kind of get himself ready for. I mean, because the rumble is going to be difficult for him because it's like you know, say he's in there. For, I don't know how long he's going to be in there. Let's say he's in there for half an hour. So, I reckon he'll be there about twenty minutes tops. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't do the thing where I hope he doesn't try to be in there for like an hour. No, there's no way they would rubber stamp that. No way. Yeah, I think it would just be a like because it, it's like nobody needs you to be in there an hour. You can just no. go and do twenty minutes. But he's got you know he's got to build up to that, and you've got to. Um, I mean, it, I, I, you've got to be if you are if you're if you're an AEW fan or if you if you you know if you're Tony Khan, you've got to just feel sick at how well this is going. I mean, you've got oh, to yeah. be ill about how well this is. You know. WBD have now opened up talks for Raw, which they hadn't when Punk before Punk was back. You know the MSG show was the largest. Not at, like, it, the largest. that's going to be tricky, isn't it? If they add Raw to their oh. TV schedule, I mean that is got that's Tony Khan's worst nightmare. Yeah, you know, and, I mean I, I enjoyed the match. I mean it was it was paced well. I mean you could see that. Punk's timing was a little bit off on things, but I mean, he hasn't wrestled since August. Um, so this is the reason why he's been doing these house show matches. And, you know, obviously in 2023, everyone's got a phone camera, so it was bound to reach YouTube. And I don't think he embarrassed himself. I thought it was a really good near fall after the um, Rhea Ripley did an interference spot. Then uh, when uh, Punk had applied the sharpshooter on Dominic and Dominic tapped out as the referee was you know, getting rid of Rhea Ripley and telling her to get down from the ring apron. Um, you know, so that was a you know good heat spot there. And then they did a 619. Dom nailed uh, Punk with 619, went for the cover. That was a decent near fall. Uh, I thought CM Punk's a notoriously crap Randy Savage tribute big elbow actually looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he always looked terrible, but that one actually looked really good. Possibly it was the camera angle. I thought the finish where he uh, got uh, Dominic into the GTS looked really good as well. And um, didn't look like he broke Dominic's nose on the GTS. I, I'm always like, whenever he does that move, I'm thinking, oh, no, get your arm up. Get your hand up. And Because uh, I think one time, I think CM Punk did bust Ray's nose when he did it. I think I don't think I'm imagining that. I know there's a few incidents with the Very GTS. Anyway. And uh, I thought that looked really good. And Punk was really over and he did a nice post-match promo and he really thanked all the audience and for coming. And it seemed heartfelt, you know, none of this feels manufactured or phony. It all feels, you know, really authentic to me. You know, it seems to me like he's really, he's really enjoying having this second chance. And I'm, I'm really pleased that it's worked out this way for him. I hope it stays on the rails. I think it will. I've got a good feeling about this. Uh, but I think, yeah, as a, if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. It's not a long match. It's a nice little sort of tune-up house show match. You can nitpick. You can fault find. Some of Punk's timing was off a little bit, but he hasn't been in the ring for a while, you know, so give him a break. <laughs> you know? um, and then the last thing I want to ask you about um, is the, the the not, not release, the, the part, parting of ways. Um, between Dana Massey, who is Matt Jackson's wife, and AEW. She was obviously running their merch, um, and she was offered a new contract, and she's refused. She wants to leave. Um, reasons kind of cited are that she didn't feel that the Bucks were properly defended 
during the punk scenario, or they were not allowed to defend themselves in the scenario, which is an interesting twist. Um, What do do you make of this story? Because, I mean, our leaving Raphael Morphy, who also had been doing all the events, he's left. So it is becoming a different company than it was before with a lot of these original people uh, leaving and not being Yeah, Kevin Sullivan, obviously not the wrestler Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan, the... uh... The production guy, he went a few weeks ago, didn't he? And that was seen as a, a big deal at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I would I would have thought the polite way for her to handle this would be for say, to say, and this is what politicians usually do, I want to spend more time with the family. And everyone knows it's not true, but it's, <laughs> you know, when some scandal hits or some something arises where they just have to go and they have to go quietly and quickly... Um, and it's just like she probably doesn't need to work now because the Jackson signed or Matt and Nick signed these huge new contracts, as we know, late summer or whenever it was. And um, why not the company that, you know, your husband and your brother-in-law, I mean, OK, they're not there at the moment. <laughs> you know, they're at home on these massive salaries doing nothing and contributing nothing to the company. Actually, I would say that AEW is a hell of a lot better without them. So you know what, lads? Stay at home for the duration of your contracts. Just to defend it, she's not come out publicly and said any of this, but this is where people, you know what wrestling's like. When stories come out, it's because somebody's told somebody who's told somebody. It's always the case with wrestling. Clearly something's been said, but I mean, uh, the one thing I thought was interesting about if it's true is that where the Bucks not allowed to say anything. You know, was that kind of one of the things that they couldn't even, you know, that's why they've not done one media media interview. We said this before since yeah. uh, since t- September 2022, which to me is also a weird thing. Of if you've got like these two top stars, isn't part of the reason you want to have them so they can be out promoting the brand? Exactly, exactly. I mean... I mean, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? The whole punk thing is one day someone will write, you know, a book on it and you could probably get a book out of it. Although since they've all probably signed NDAs. Well, that's all just to to add on to what you're saying. So Stephen P. New, who is Jim Cornette's lawyer, who's also Ian Punk's lawyer now, uh, represented punk. Apparently all the major parties did sign NDAs in this, but the people who didn't are Lucy Steele, Steel's wife, and did you see Chris Jericho over Christmas tweeting about this? Where no, he basically Stephen P. New had had said on a podcast that you know NDAs had been signed for life, so none of the parties can speak to it apart from Lucy, who if she ever wanted to, a Steel's wife, and then Jericho. <laughs> She'll be in demand for interviews right now. Listen, I've I've been emailing her for weeks, um, <laughs> but. Um, so this was like Christmas Eve, I think, that the podcast Stephen P. New had done had come out. And then okay. on Christmas Day, Jericho retweets the guy and says something like, um, I didn't sign an NDA, I was there, kind of thing. Like he was he was basically kind of teasing that he could, you know, say something. And then Stephen P. New said, you know, every AEW employee signs a handbook, and that's that's in your handbook. And then Jericho starts saying, I didn't sign a fucking handbook or whatever. And, you know, it, it was very interesting to hear Jericho kind of pretend, because there's no way Jericho would speak out on it. He's not that dumb. 
You imagine he's not, and he must have signed that thing as well. He must have done. Yeah, you, are you really going to sit and go right? Okay, we'll, we'll we'll make them all sign it, but we'll not let all the pe- the people who are in the room sign it. Yeah, he's just mad. Yeah, so he, so here's what um here here was Jericho's uh, response to Steve Steve Pino, who'd said it's in your employee handbook unless you have a special one. Uh, Jericho said, Steam Pinu, I don't adhere to an employee handbook and have never had one in four years of working for AEW. I've also never signed an NDA in my life, ever. So stop trying to be a bully and make an egotistical fantasy brags to your clients and start doing some research before you make blanket statements about your buddies. Because I saw everything that night, including how Lucy and her husband and best buddy acted and what really went down. And since I was in the room and watching her and everybody else the whole time, I know exactly what really happened. And considering you weren't there and I was, maybe you should shut your mark ass up because what really went down was disgusting. Mm. Wow. That Jericho had had a couple of eggnogs. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> Jericho's state of mind at that point. I mean, it seems like quite a coherent tweet, doesn't it? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like, did you? I, this is the first I've heard that Jericho had. Lots of knowledge and was a you know first-hand observer of what occurred. No one's ever mentioned this before. I'm not saying Jericho wasn't there, but no one's mentioned this before. No, someone else, someone else yesterday actually had put out a thing saying you know not to not to stoke the fire, but like MJF was in the room and he saw yeah. stuff. So like there will have been a bunch of people who saw stuff. I mean, I, I can't imagine they all saw stuff from the beginning because obviously as we're led to believe the Bucks came in to confront the Bucks nobody came in to confront Punk first. And then it yeah, that's up. that's how we yeah that, we believe that was the way it played out. They which was you know, and at the time I was like, well, of course they were going to because Punk had just sat there for twenty minutes or whatever it was trashing them. So um, that weird thing, know, where, like, Montreal obviously was kind of the biggest modern wrestling story in terms of like drama. I mean, obviously the Benoit murder supersedes everything, but you know we know what happened there. That's all kind of done. But you yeah. know how much Montreal's talked about, and there's all these accounts of what happened. But this incident almost seems like it's going to go on longer because we're never going to be able to hear what happened. This is Jericho's, what Jericho's plan here. This is my theory. Jericho's thinking, hey, dark side of the ring, could do an episode (laughs) on that. I've got the connection. I can be their man. What do you think? I I think it'd be a, I mean, look, we'd we'd watch it. We'd be talking about it on the podcast, so... You know, we would be, yeah. I mean, I've got to give Jericho credit for making himself relevant and a topic of conversation again. You know, in a, a year where he's not been such a great year for him, so uh, he's managed to make himself um, center of attention once more and he's to reinvent himself again, Kenny. So, I mean, you know, good for him there. Uh, and maybe one day he will talk about it, and that would be interesting if he did. Um, but going back to, yeah, the um. Was it Matt Jackson's wife, wasn't it? Who's... Dana Massey. Yeah. I mean, if she doesn't want to be there anymore, who can blame her? You know, she's probably, and obviously husbands do very well financially. I'm sure they've got nice lives. And uh, I think they've got three kids. So uh, who would want to, you don't need to work, and particularly you don't want to work in an environment that you don't feel comfortable in or you don't feel supported in. Why would you be there? So I don't blame her at all for leaving. Um, but if I was her since my husband and brother-in-law are part of that company and will be for another two and a half years and are making a lot of money for doing absolutely nothing, <laughs> I would not be bad-mouthing that company either directly or through you know, third parties. I would not 
be doing that. She's been around wrestling for long enough to know that if she's going to tell so-and-so, then so-and-so is going to tell so-and-so, and it'll be all over the internet. And people like Finn and Kenny will be discussing it on their podcast within, you know, a few days or even a few hours. Yeah. So if I was her, I wouldn't have said anything. You know, I think it comes across as a bit ungrateful, really, considering what AEW has done for Matt and Nick financially. Um, and, you know, we saw at the time after the original 2022 bust up, Punk was sent home and Omega and the books came back first. I remember at the time saying, that's it, the die's cast. You know, Tony Khan has made his choice. He's chosen Kenny and the books over CM Punk. So to say they weren't supported... I mean, I, obviously, we don't know the whole story. But to say they weren't supported when they were brought back first doesn't ring true to me. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the other element I think I, I just wanted to bring up was because Dana was the head of mer- merchandise. And yeah. this was a very heavily criticised element of AEW. You know, I mean, I was at the Wembley show and the the selection of merch was piss poor. I mean, just awful. There was... I mean, not a lot of stuff. I mean, and then there's a photo that's came out this past Wednesday, Dynamite, where it's like overstocked. And I don't know whether that was her on her or whether she felt unfairly, you know, maybe she had restraints put in her that she couldn't do more. So you know, maybe that was part of her frustration. But yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think doing the merchandise, certainly in, in this modern era, it's such a big part of the business because there's so much money involved and just, you know, think of how much money they could have taken on the day at Wembley if they'd had all the merch there. But then maybe it was like, well, we don't have time to get it over. It's going to cost all this money or whatever. I don't know. But surely, you know, that's where you do your big business when you've got 70,000 people or however many were there, you know, that got money to spend and that are hungry for the product. And you want to make sure you've got everything you possibly can on display to sell. You know, we remember Clash of the Castle, don't we, Kenny? And you've obviously been to big shows since. And the WWE merch was just everywhere. I mean, you name it, it was everywhere. And like those title belts, what, 300 300 quid each or something like that, or maybe even more, they were on sale everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Well, listen, we'll wrap up there. Um, We'll be back in the new year. Finn, I hope you have a nice new year. I look forward to chatting to you uh, on Tuesday. Next week, Tuesday. Tuesday it will be, because we've got a, well, plenty happening next week, Kenny. Very big week for wrestling next week. And obviously World's End is tomorrow, uh, the 30th of December. We'll talk, um, about who's the, we'll talk about who's been revealed as the, the the devil, potentially. We'll talk about the big day one Raw show that WWE've got on Monday. So, yeah, plenty going yeah. on. Yeah, plenty going up. Absolutely. Who do you think the devil's going to be, Kenny, by the way? I didn't ask you. I think... I think it's going to be Adam Cole. I think they're going to do something to... I think they're going to do something to sort of say, look, we know you can't wrestle, but you would make the most sense to be the puppet master here, I think that'll I think that'll be who it is. Who do you think? Who's your bet? Well, it could be Adam Cole, and that would be a shock, for sure. And um, that would give them something to work with. Um, I mean, I'm not sure when Adam Cole's going to be back. I think this injury obviously occurred three months ago now, wasn't it? End of September, yeah. Grand Slam Dynamite. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I believe it's going to be a while yet. And you, I mean, the difficulty with that is you kind of have to have MJF be going through Roderick Strong and Taven and Bennett, and that's not really that, you know, you yeah, not that inspiring. I mean, Samoa. I mean, if Samoa Joe wins the belt, which I think he might do, because 
it seems obviously he lost MGF at Grand Slam. MGF's got so, the injury as well. He's working. He's through. what? Sorry, Kenny. MGF's got the injury that he's working through. So exactly, that- yeah, exactly. I think it makes sense for Joe to become champion, um, because if he loses, how do you present him as a top guy again after he's lost two straight big matches to MJF? So I think if we did have Adam Cole as the big reveal and like MGF's in a state of shock and then just goes the win, MGF would be protected on the finish. Joe becomes champion. He then possibly reconciles with Roderick Strong. They, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom, you know, Taven and Bennett, they reconcile with Adam Cole. They could add one or two more members, XROH guys or whatever. And I think you've got a faction there that that can make a difference and that matters and that people will really be invested in. And then you've got MGF. He can then, you know, he's got lots of people to work through before he then gets to Adam Cole. So if Adam Cole doesn't return at all April, um, there's plenty of people to keep MGF occupied in the interim. So I think you could be right about that. I think it will be Adam Cole. That would make sense. And I think that would make all this black scorpion business almost <laughs> worthwhile yeah i think you you want to have it be somebody because if people i mean tony Khan has got to be aware that people are panning this on a sort yeah. of scale and he's got to be thinking right this needs to be somebody who makes sense it needs to pivot you know to, to something and I'm, maybe it was adam cole along but if it's not i would be making that call with my adam will your doctor allow you to fly once a week and come to tv you know and sit in a wheelchair and do promos for me yeah um, but we'll see. Anyway, um, have a great I new mean, year. Just finally, Kenny, sorry, I just got to chime in there. The only thing about it, I guess he could just say, well, I had imposters standing up because we know he can't stand, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's, yeah, so, you know, he's got his, his minions doing his work for him, yeah. I guess. Yeah, he's the puppet master and all these people are just following his orders and had all these people pretend you were impersonating or pretending to be the devil when I was the devil all along. So, yeah, it could be explained in that fashion in a way that would be believable. My last question to you, Finn, before we go, I'm going to ask it's a yes or no, okay? Do you think we get through the whole month of January in AEW without a tournament? <laughs> no. No. No, no. But we will need another tournament. We need a, a monthly tournament now. Yeah, we need we need the monthly. We get, you know, one for the men, one for the women. Let's get two. Um, we'll need one to name Tony Storm's, you know, next opponent after <laughs> she's Riho. Um, but we'll be here back on Tuesday to talk about World's End, talk about Raw and all that good stuff. And yeah, go over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. We've got the Nitro review up there. We reviewed Armageddon 2003 a couple of weeks ago, which was very fun. Lots of stuff up there. We're reviewing the original Power Slam issues, the ones that are in the yearbook, issues one through six. So I think at the moment, the one through five reviews are up as overrun episodes. And uh, we've done issue six, and that'll be going out in the next couple of days as well. So uh, good time to, to pledge and check out all the content. Oh, and also, last thing, very quickly, um, I spoke to Eddie Kingston this week for the magazine. Oh, really? And we spoke for about 50 minutes, and there was a lot of good stuff in there, and I talked to him about, you know, things like, you know, Ring of Honor being a bit of a downgrade for him, and the exploding... What? Uh, <laughs> working with CM Punk, his thoughts on Punk. So, yeah, really good to speak to him. He is someone who... Uh, is not somebody who wants to give you the media-trained answer, which is what you want, really. So, yes, very refreshing. That's what you want, absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to reading that, Kenny. Yeah, yeah I look forward to reading that in the next issue, issue 41. So, um, yeah, do go check that out. 
Um, but yes, uh, Fern, have a great new year. Look forward to chatting to you Tuesday. And you as well. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you have a happy new year. And we're really looking forward to discussing next week's wrestling next week. Have a good one, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 